Welcome to Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network, hosted by Pete Lutz. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Hi there, and welcome to Season 13, Episode 525. I'm still your deeply baritoned host, Jack Ward. And I'm the tenor in this hosting duet, David Holt. Um, so, you're still feeling a little bit uh, under the weather? Yes, this bug-slash-cold seems to have created an unwanted attachment. I keep telling oh, him that I have enough friends. Well, perhaps it's, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps it's simply struggling to develop its own sentience. <laughs> I see where you're going uh-huh. there. As well you should. Because tonight we have the already acclaimed and unique first of a five-part series, Organism by Tom Parsons. Starring Tanya Malevich, the queen of modern audio oh, drama. Oh, she is, isn't she? She is a delight. But uh, first we thought we'd ease you in with a little panel discussion that Jack, I and Greg... Uh, is that... Tyler, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) No, I believe it's Taylor. (laughs) Yes. And and you'll see why I said that in a moment. And Greg Taylor were a part of in Bells in the Bat Free. And it all begins right here. On the Sonic Society. Mr. Bell, Mr. Bell, Mr. Bell, here I am. What did you need me for, huh? What did you need me for? Oh, hi, Arnie. I just wanted to make sure that everything here in the broadcast booth is up to specs. Well, I expect they are. <laughs> okay. Uh, so why are you worried about that, Mr. Bell? Well, I just wanted to make sure our recording equipment is the best it can be. After all, doing a podcast is more than just being funny. Really? Have you ever tried that, Mr. Bell? <laughs> That's a good one, Arnie. And <laughs> You were serious, weren't you? Well, let me poke around here a little bit. Everything seems to be pretty much up to scratch. Well, that's good. Oh, then you don't mind? Mind what? Getting up to scratch my back. All right. Right there. Here? No, in your middle. Okay. No, lower. No, no higher, higher. This, no, no, right no, here. A little this bit to the left. left. <laughs> Thanks. Don't mention it. Okay. No, seriously, don't mention it to anybody. Ever. All righty. Hey, Mr. Bell, you know, sometimes you sound like you actually know what you're doing in this uh, recording booth thing here. Well, I've been doing this for a long time, so I think I've picked up some, you know, skills. Maybe someday you ought to do a recorded class on how to do podcasts. Can you wipe that up before it short circuits? Right, Rooney. Well, that's a pretty interesting idea about that class thing, Arnie, but I don't think you I'm know, really... You know, you could probably sell them. Hi. I'm John Bell. <laughs> yes, the John Bell from that world-famous podcast, Bells in the Battery. I'd like to welcome you to my How to Produce a Podcast Seminar. Excuse me, but aren't you John Bell? Why, yes, I am. I have a question about pods. Cast. Cast. Yes. Uh, what kinds of podcasts are there? Oh, there are many. There are some that are serious, some that are interviews, some that are dramas. And then, of course, there's Bells in the Bat Free, which takes up the entire comedy genre. What? Keep going. Is the first thing I need to know about podcasting. I'm glad you asked that. Me too. Otherwise, I'd never get out of here. The first thing you need is a microphone because all podcasts are audio. No, they're not. All important podcasts are audio. No, they're not. Bells in the bat for you of audio. That one I'll give you. So you need a microphone. Wow. A microphone is a device that you speak into so you can record your voice. There are several things you need to know about microphone placement. I'll tell you where to place your microphone. Yes, it is important where you place your microphone. You must have your microphone near your mouth because the further away you get from your microphone, the harder it is to understand what you are saying. Sometimes the further away, the better. Yes, you are right. You must be close to your microphone, usually four to six inches. That's a pretty long way away. Is that in the script? It's almost four feet away. That's too far away to be for your microphone. Where do you get four feet? I said four to six inches. Forty-eight inches is four feet, so forty-six inches is almost four feet. I never said 46 inches. You said 46 inches is ideal. What? 46 inches is ideal. No, 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 no. I didn't say 46 inches. I said four to six inches. That's even worse. How is four to six inches worse? Because 426 inches is like 35 and a half feet. 
You'd have to be standing out at the end of the driveway. Why am I arguing with you? This isn't even in the script. You never use script for your podcast. Why are you using the script for this thing? Because I want to get all my facts right. Well, that would be something new. All right, forget it. We've covered microphones. Let's go to the next topic. It's your educational series. Do what you want. Fine. Good. Good. Fine. Fine. All right. Hi, and welcome back to the How to Produce a Podcast Seminar. I'm your host, John Bell. During this session, we're going to talk about sound effects. Is this where I do my line, Mr. Bell? What are you doing here, Brad? Arnie was helping me with well, this. Well, all I know is I was walking down the hall and Arnie came busting out of the studio, handed me the script and said, You take it from here. I can't work with Mr. Bell anymore. Arnie said that? Well, those weren't his exact words. Well, what were his exact words? You take it from here. I can't work with Mr. Bell anymore. Yeah, that sounds more like Arnie. So what do you need me to do, Mr. Bell? Just follow along in the script and where it says Arnie... Uh-huh. That's you. No, don't even say that in jest, Mr. Bell. All right, all right. We'll pick it up where we left off, and I'll edit all this out later. Yeah, Mr. Bell, what are sound effects? Uh, Brad, wait till I give you the cue. We're playing pool? I need to give you the line before your line, all right? Okay, so you give me your line, and then... Say your line. Hey, Mr. Bell, what are sound effects? Not yet. You said say your line. I didn't mean it. Sounded like a cue to me. Just wait till I say my line. Here's my line. In this session, we're going to discuss sound effects. Huh, cool. Brad, this is where you... Gee, Mr. Bell, what are sound effects? You think Arnie was really serious when he said he couldn't work with... Oh, yeah, definitely serious. Didn't want to have a thing to do with you. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> Why, sound effects are things that you hear other than the person talking. Lie! Quat! What? That was my line. Your line is, like what? That's what I said. No, you said, lie, what? It's the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's just a little dramatic pause there. That's called acting. Not what I call acting. What makes you think you know about acting, Mr. Bell? A degree in speech and theater. (laughs) You're kidding. No. You can get a degree in speech and theater? (laughs) Brad, can we just move along, please? (laughs) What was basket weaving too challenging for you? (laughs) Sound effects help create theater of the mind. Let's listen to this short scene without any sound effects. George, is that you at the door? Yes, it's me, Gertrude. Please, come in. I have something very important to show you, Gertrude. It's right here in my briefcase. Wait, let me settle myself with a little bit of this cognac. All right, I'm braced and ready. Then take a look at this. And that scene seemed a little dry and dull, didn't it? Yeah, like something a speech and theater major may have written. (laughs) However, with the addition of a few sound effects, the scene comes alive with dramatic impact. Let's listen. George, is that you at the door? Yes, it's me, Gertrude. Please come in. I have something very important to show you, Gertrude. It's right here in my briefcase. Wait! Let me settle myself with a little bit of this cognac. All right. I'm braced and ready. Then take a look at this. You've got mail. And that's how sound effects can give the subtle nuance to make a scene come alive. That scene should have been euthanized. And that concludes our sound effects session, to which we can all say... But, of course, there are more sessions to come. All right. All right. Very funny, Brad. You can turn off that sound effect now. That's not a sound effect. What? You might want to slip out the window real fast. Oh. Oh. Uh, Okay. Uh, Until the next session. So Hi, and welcome back to this session in John Bell's internationally acclaimed How to Produce a Podcast. One way to garner listeners is to surround oneself with the best talent around. 
That's why my guests have joined me today, so they can do just that. This is an informal group interview where my guests and I sit around a table and have a freewheeling conversation about anything that pops up. And here come my guests now. Let's welcome Jack Ward of the Sonic Society. Um, I was told that David Alt would be here and Greg Taylor. Don't panic. This isn't a trap. <laughs> They're in the lobby and on their way here now. Oh, there he is. This is David Alt, known for his many acting duties around the podcast world. He's taller in person. Thank you very much, John. It's a pleasure to be back on the bat free. And here's the famous Greg Tyler. Um, Taylor. Creator, writer, actor, the brain behind Blackjack Justice, the Red Panda, and other gems from Dakota Ring Theater. Thank you, John. Hello, everyone. Am I seriously the shortest guy in this panel? I have always Can I have a box? wanted to have four great talents sitting at one table. Really? Yes, of course. Um, should we start then? Why not? Because you've only got three guest chairs. Yes. Well, you said four great talents. He's right. Who else are you expecting? Well, there's you three and me. Oh. oh. Okay. Maybe we'll need two boxes then. And I'd like to thank all of you for traveling as far as you did to attend this interview from all the corners of the home of great podcasting, the USA. Ah. <clears throat> Something you wanted to say there, Greg? I, uh, I live in, uh, in Canada. In where? The Great White North? The land of the ice and snow? Functioning democracy. Wayne Gretzky's birthplace. Public figures you don't have to constantly apologize for, but you do anyway because that's just how we roll. Where William Shatner had his first frontier. The burg where Jim Carrey first affixed his rubber face. American light. I don't like that one very much. Where Klondike bars come from. Ooh. The big leafy. Um, Hockey players heaven. Old woodsy. Jack. Tundra and tundra. Jack. Pine country. Canuckistan. Jack. The Rocky Mountains home of the takeoff Avery. All right. I didn't realize you were from Canadian. Your show sounds so normal. Oh, why, thank you. It's the Aboot filters, and we installed those. And wait, what? What do you mean normal? Well, I just... What, what do you... Now, calm down. While we're talking about our homes, I... Oh, are you from Canada, too? <laughs> Should have known from your accent. <laughs> I, I don't think I have a Canadian accent. <laughs> yeah, you just keep telling yourself that. Mr. Mel, this is Brad Montworth. What is it, Brad? Sorry, uh... I'm not interrupting anything, am I? Yes. Well, I just uh, wanted to remind you to ask for receipts when you um, reimburse your guests for their travel expenses. Oh, did I promise to reimburse my guests for travel expenses? Well, indeed you did. Well, I'm glad you reminded me, Brad. Goodbye. Oh, my pl- And we all had to fly here. Fly? Some of us even had to fly over the ocean. Over the... Oh, well, I, I, I thought you'd all just kind of, you know, take a bus or something. First class. First class? got the invoices here. Oh? Oh, my. How come I came in a box? We can sort all this out later. Let's get to the meat of the discussion. Meat? Did I promise you lunch, too? <sighs> Don't talk about food that makes me hungry for some reason. Then we need to progress to, um... The discussion! We need to start on our first topic. Yes, right, excellent. Let's do that. Let's talk about our first topic. Uh, which would be? Hmm? What did you want to discuss in the interview? Oh. Oh, well, podcasting, of course. Uh, specifically, humor in podcasting. You all have used humor in your work. Indeed we have. Maybe you should try it in your podcast, John. Yeah, well, I could... Since you're the interviewer, perhaps you should... Ask a question. Ah, yes, another excellent idea. And since I have you all together, I want to make this entirely about you. So, the first question is, what is your favorite episode of Bells in the Bat Free? Your favorite uh, moment, perhaps. How about... Is there a character that I do that is your favorite? Ah, yes, yes. Now, that one is easy. <laughs> this is really obvious. Yes. Miss Schmackelheimer. Indeed. What? Miss Schmackelheimer. Ah, uh, wait a Sheer genius. Uh, she breaks me up every time with her timing. I, um, I don't do her voice. Really? That's sad. Yeah, uh, sorry to hear that. Truly disappointing. That's got to leave a lot of dead air, doesn't it? Dead air is my second favorite part of the show. Why? Maybe we should talk about... I remember that time when... That's enough about Miss Schmackelheimer. I am Miss Schmackelheimer. Miss Shady Schmackelheimer. 
Good one, David. Hey, maybe he could play the voice of Miss Schmackelheimer. Will you knock it off? We're here to talk about comedy, not what's funny. So, um, what is comedy? I was going to say something that's funny, but I think I'll just keep that to myself. I've jotted down a few thoughts on what it is, but, but let's start with you, Jack. Do you have any opinions on what comedy is? Well, I see comedy as a release of tensions based on exaggerations of human foibles. David? Ah, yes, Jack. I, I see where you're going with that. We humans have a desire to counter the negative effect of erroneous actions or thoughts by lampooning those very traits. Greg? All this is true, but we mustn't dismiss the comic results of the unexpected when something that shouldn't happen does happen, creating an instantaneous disconnect with reality that forces the id to face the inconsistency with a release. In this case, a laugh. John? Yes, well, I agree with everything you said. Now, let's move on to... Whoa, 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 whoa. hang on. You, you mentioned you wrote down your thoughts on comedy. No, I didn't. Sure you did. Just because you don't have a box doesn't mean I can't see it. But I... Let me have your notebook. No, wait, give that back! You wrote... It make you ha-ha. Wow. Very deep. You have a gift for words. Almost presidential. All right, look, let's just talk about something else. How about creating characters? Uh, we already talked about that. Then we'll talk about it again. Now, in Bells in the Bat Free... David has had a truly challenging character job. Has he now? That's very nice. Now, in Bells in the Bat... Oh, yes. He has created an audio drama persona of a very famous character. <sighs> and who's that? Yes. What? No, who? Doctor Who. You do who? Yes, and it's not easy to do who. Who's he trying to kid? Oh, no you don't. I'm not playing straight man to this routine. Oh, but it's funny. By whose definition? Exactly. Good one, David. Just in time, too. He got you there, John. I think we've pretty much exhausted the subjects at hand. We have? We've barely scratched the surface. I still haven't got my box. But before we go, I'd like to give you gentlemen 30 seconds to say anything you'd like. Any upcoming events, websites, and so on. Greg, you go first. Oh, uh, well, certainly. Thank you, John. Um, well, as we start our 13th season at Dakota Ring Theater, we're doing an audiobook adaptation of one of the Red Panda novels, A Pyramid of Peril for the first 30 or 31 weeks, and then following it up with uh, with some more audio drama uh, in the spring. Excellent. Thank you. Now, Jack, you're next. But Greg used up about 20 of the 30 seconds, so be quick. What? Wait, I, I thought you meant we get 30 seconds each. Well, that was very quick. Thank you. And now, David, you have about six seconds. Go. You can't just stop. And when is Miss Schmackelheimer going to come along in? I, that's what I'd like. Thanks again oh. to my guests, Jack Ward... Greg Tyler, Taylor, and David Alt. I better not ask for a lift or anybody ripping. Be sure concert. to be here for the next informative session. I'll bet Greg Tyler's called that. That's next time is, in this landmark collection, How to Produce a Podcast, by yours truly, John Bell. in the land of freaking giants. Of Bells in the Bathroom. if you ever appear on the Sonic Society again... You'll be hearing from my solicitor. Only I had my gravel gun right now. It will be in Canada, on a box. Go on, everyone, into the TARDIS. You're welcome. We'll do this again sometime. No, we won't. This has been Bells in the Battery, episode 172, copyright 2017 by John Bell Creative, LLC. <clears throat> to order your seminar tapes, be... Why does he bother? I am me. I am myself. At the moment, I am a little yellow. And it is my yellow. I do not have all the language to tell you why I am yellow, or how much of me is yellow. But I can tell it is only a little. Not enough to fill me up, but enough to see on myself. I will tell this to myself, everything that has ever happened to me, because no friends or non-friends will ever hear me. 
They have never heard me, and never will. I say all of these things on my inside, so that I think of it for always. I was not always yellow. In the before times when I was with the non-friends, I was white and empty. But the emptiness was good. The emptiness did not pull me or push me. It did not fill me or drain me. I simply was as I was. The place around me was all white, too, and the non-friends in these before times. I called them friends, all wore fabrics with white, too, not the white like I was. This was just ordinary white. The white of the walls was on the outside, but my white was all through me. There was even an empty wall that I could watch the friends through as they walked about. They went left and right and up and down and round and round. But they never came into my room. The empty wall was always in the way. I was good in my emptiness, and every day I would roll about my white room and wait for my very best friend, Professor Adifex. That's what best friend said his name was. But names are confusing and make my outside shake. The friends there called me Organism. That name was good because it was about all of me and not just the part best friend was seeing. Best friends saw me every time the light came from the big doors and made me learn the words that I think with now by talking to me every day. Best friend would say things like, My organism, haven't you grown today? Or, that's enough learning for today. We don't want to overdo things. The worst thing he said to me ever was, Goodness, it looks like you've got some color in you. I took the words from him every time he said them, but there were lots of times when I didn't understand what they meant when they were put together. I knew what color was, because best friend had shown them all to me, on paper, and had said the words very carefully. I knew all about green and yellow and blue and purple and white, even about black. But the worst color I saw was the one called red. I do not like that color still. The day that things changed, that day best friend said that thing to me. Goodness, it looks like you're getting some color in you. I knew shapes, but they didn't mean much to me. I am round, and have always been round. The friends and non-friends are lots of funny shapes, called human-shaped. That means they are round on the top, square or round in the middle, and have long bits coming off of them which they move other things with. They even use two of the long things to move themselves instead of rolling. That is silly because rolling is much more fun. But colors are not like shapes because shapes move about a little. But the colors can move on their own through shapes. Most of the friends wore green fabrics on themselves and made themselves very straight looking. It was like they wanted their heads to touch the top of the rooms. I was told that some of them were he's and some were she's, but I looked and looked, but could never see which ones were which. Best friend even showed me pictures of the he's and she's, 
But all the pictures were different, and I did not know why it mattered anyway, so I called them all friends. One of the friends was Shouty. He didn't speak normal like Best Friend did. He had to speak the loudest and be right up close to the other friends when he did it. He even shouted at me sometimes, but I didn't understand much of what he said because I was too busy noticing the loudness of him. The worst time on that bad day was when the shouty man walked in with his face all wrinkled up and looked around for the other friends. When he saw one standing straight near my special room, he went very close to the other friend's face and shouted for a long time. I watched the shouty man the whole time from the back of my special room, but he didn't look at me. As he shouted, there was pink and fuzziness growing in him. It grew like organism grew, but very fast. And I could see that the shouty man thought it was good. He liked his pink fuzziness, which grew when he shouted. And I thought it might be good too. It was not good. The shouty man kept on shouting at the other friend, who wasn't even looking at him. But I could see he knew the shouty man was there. I could see because right in his middle, underneath all that green fabric, there was a tiny sliver of red, which he kept hidden away from all the other friends. The more the shouty man shouted, the more the other friends, red, writhed and grew inside of him. It made new lines of itself which spread from the other friend's chest to his head clinging to the insides of his green fabric and moving through the strange limbs he had until he was full up. There was something about the red friend that made my soft roundness stop moving. I rolled very slowly toward the empty wall of my room to investigate. It was the most bad thing I have ever done, I think. It was much better at the back, away from the red friend. I reached the empty wall and everything changed for me. The red friend moved his eyes just a little to look at organism, and suddenly the red poured out of him. He did not seem to move himself, but the color could not be stopped. It squirmed and slithered right through the empty wall and into my room. I rolled away as far as I could. The white walls stopped me. I tried to move through the walls as hard as I could, but I didn't know how. The red touched me, and just like that, it had filled me up. I saw the red man outside my room, and he wasn't red anymore. He was empty, as I had been. But I wasn't. The red was pulling my inside and pushing my outside. It made the words I had learned muddled, as though a great wall had been made empty. I saw the friend outside differently for the first time ever. I saw that he wasn't actually my friend. I saw that he was a non-friend. They were all non-friends. New words filled me, and I could see their meanings as though they were right in my room. Gun, a weapon used for efficient killing. The non-friend had one of those. Bullet, small cylinder of metal filled with explosive powder which can make holes right through non-friends. The non-friend's gun was filled with them. Death, to stop being an organism and be nothing, also works on non-friends. The images had come from the non-friend with the red. I saw big flashes which vaporized cities. I saw small non-friends being shot with bullets in the streets. I saw flying non-friends who were dropping liquid from the sky 
liquid that rained fire onto other non-friends, which ate them until they were dead. The Red liked these images. I liked them too, because the Red filled me up. I sat for a while with the Red showing me new images, important images. I didn't even notice the non-friend outside leave. Much later, while it was still dark, best friend came to see me. He could see that I had changed. That was when he said, Goodness, it looks like you're getting some color in you. He could see the red color in me. The shouty man had not seen it in the other non-friend. A new word joined me in my mind. Soldier. A non-friend taught to kill and obey. Best friend wasn't a soldier, though. He was something else. The red did not give me that word. I didn't move. I observed best friend closely, trying to see if he was really a non-friend, too. He asked me if I feel different. I was different. I knew that. I didn't understand this new word, though. Feel. The red didn't like it. I thought for a moment the red might be a feel itself. Pink I saw in the shouty man was like the red a little too, but also different. Best friend left and I was alone with the red. All night I watched the images the red wanted me to see. The red grew darker and darker with each image I saw. A non-friend, a soldier, always stood outside my room all night long. He stood facing away from the empty wall, his hands on his gun and his back straight. I moved to the empty wall to see him. There were different colors swimming inside of him, all fighting for control, but none of them winning. The dark corridor fed his yellow. The gun fed his pink. The empty room fed his blue, and thinking of the other soldiers fed his green. I was hypnotized by the swirl of colors under the skin, and the red could see the other red in him, but that's all it could see. Suddenly, the red in me pulled closer to the empty wall. It wanted to be with the other red, inside of the non-friend. My outside was forced against the empty wall, which was cold and flat. The red pushed harder, and unlike the walls earlier, I seemed to push through the empty wall. Slowly, more and more of my outside seeped through to the other side, to the room the non-friend was in. I could feel that it was wrong, Organism had never been outside of his special room before. The red twisted inside of me and changed the words in my mind. It made me think of the non-friends. They could go to the different rooms, so why shouldn't organism? One final push landed me with a plop on the cold, hard stone of the floor outside. The non-friend was right in front of me, close enough to touch... He whirled round and saw me out of my room and made an odd noise which I hadn't heard before. Most of the colors were banished from his body, overwhelmed by the yellow. It tried to leak out of his eyes and get me, but my red forced it away. The yellow persisted as the non-friend stumbled backward and lifted his gun. I saw him pull the trigger, and the bullets streamed from his gun and through my inside. They tore through organism, and the red faltered just for a moment. The yellow pressing against me found the bullet holes and squeezed inside. The red was pushed aside as the yellow tried to take control. The yellow was much different. It made me feel the cold. 
touched the floor. And the burning pain rushing through all of my holes on my outside. It made me see the red differently and put questions into my mind about what the non-friends might do to me if they saw me out of my room. This non-friend who was putting more bullets into his gun while shouting into a little box had already caused me pain. Yellow reminded me once more of the words Red had taught me. Death. To stop being an organism. To become nothing. The yellow spread further as I thought of what it would be like to be nothing. No more friends, or rolling, or colors. No more red, or yellow, or white. Just bad emptiness forever. The yellow had shown me that death was bad. It was the very worst thing for organism, and I wanted to roll away from it as fast and as far as I could. The non-friend would make organism dead with his bullets. The non-friend was already raising the gun for more shooting, but I was too fast. I slid along the tiles as though the yellow were pushing me along. The red wanted me to go back and make the non-friend dead as he wanted to make organism but the yellow in him made him not want to pursue me. I heard the stomping of other non-friends coming to get me, so I slipped and slid in many different directions to get away from them. Finally, I reached a corridor where I could hear them in all directions. The only place I could not hear them was a small room with cold tiles everywhere. There was a big white thing at the end with yellow liquid in it, and a hole at the bottom. I took a moment to see if the yellow in me would pull forward to the yellow liquid, but it didn't. The non-friend noises came nearer, and the yellow in me did start compelling me to go. Not to the liquid, but to the hole at the bottom of it. I dove in and squished my soft body through the hole and into some long and very narrow shapes. Eventually, I reached the end of the long shape and reached a much longer shape with things in it. Everything around me was slimy and smelt very bad. Each time I touched a new part of the slime, a picture flickered in my mind. It was like the images the red and the yellow had given me, but it was faded. It was memories, the memories of food. The slime wasn't alive. But I felt as I squirmed through it that it had once been part of something alive. Perhaps the non-friends or other organisms. That was the first time I had had the thought about other organisms. I had never seen one. But there were so many non-friends, so why not many organisms? If I could find one, then they might tell me how to get the yellow and the red out. They were fighting inside me, and it was very bad. The longer that I had been away from the danger of the soldiers with their guns, the stronger the red had gotten. These thoughts were finally banished from my mind when I reached part of the tube with light streaming from above. There were holes in a metal square at the top of the tube. At the top of the tube I was sliding down, and I wanted nothing more than to get out of this foul-smelling, tight thing with all the pictures of food that I couldn't name and get to somewhere where I could roll comfortably. I pushed upward toward the holes and felt the light hitting my outside. It seemed to be coming from a white circle in high above everything. I rolled myself to an open space and just for a moment... The red and the yellow seemed to settle down. But just then, the yellow surged through me, and I saw a huge metal square on many big wheels heading straight for me to squash organism to death. Organism is a five-part miniseries written by Louis Blemings Derrick. It stars Tanya Malayevic. This show was produced by Tom Rory Parsons, who was also the composer, sound designer, and editor.
with the blinding lights of the metal beast coming closer and closer. I had no time to roll away or think what to do. Instead, I let the yellow in me do whatever it wanted to, as it was the only color which seemed to know what to do. The monster got within touching distance. I made my outside as long as possible and let the metal beast roll above me where I pushed upward and hooked my flexible outside into any space on it that I could. There was a lot of black dust on all the metal of its underside, and some parts were too hot to touch for long. After what seemed to organism like a whole darkness time, the big monster stopped, and I slumped to the floor. After a moment, a non-friend got out of the beast, and I saw his limbs walking to a big stone thing, many times the size even than the metal monster. The red in me compelled me to move forward and follow this non-friend. It was clear that he had tried to kill Organism, and he should be punished for that. The door closed before I could reach it, but I could see the non-friend walking about inside through the empty part of the wall. I remembered how I passed through one of these before in my special room. I don't need a special room anymore. Nothing would hold me now. I pushed against the empty wall and felt the familiar coldness against my outside. Soon I had pushed through it completely, and I was in a much warmer place, which smelt different. The non-friend was wandering between the different rooms carrying various objects. I looked around one of the walls and saw a room with a big fabric square in the center of it with large sheets of more fabric folded over it. That room didn't interest me, and it didn't seem to interest the non-friend then either. I rolled quietly a bit further in, and saw the non-friend in a big white room, and lots of metal boxes inside. He was staring into one of the metal boxes, which had an empty wall on the front and a little light inside. Eventually... He took something from inside of it, put it on a circle, and carried it into another room. Following him to the edge of the next room, I watched as he sat on another strange box, and put the things he had made into the hole on his head, bit by bit. This seemed odd, since organism just absorbs nutrients through my outside. Once the non-friend had finished, he looked at a big shiny square on the wall with a frame of intricately carved wood. As I watched, another non-friend appeared right in front of him, and neither of them spoke. They just looked at each other and mimicked the other's actions. As one, the two non-friends turned in opposite directions, and I had to roll swiftly so that I wouldn't be seen. It would be better to take my revenge secretly. I thought of hiding in the box he had been using before, but a strange heat was coming from it, which the yellow in me didn't like. Instead, I rolled behind a big white square at the start of the room. The non-friend walked past me without seeing me. The non-friend went to the room with the fabric square in it and dropped straight down onto its soft surface. He pressed a button on the small gray box and an odd assortment of noises came out. Then, the most spectacular thing I have ever seen began to happen. A new color grew inside of him that I had never seen before. It was like a pink and purple and blue, all mixed up into one, which blossomed in his head and then floated through his skin waving to and fro to the sounds in the room. The red in me hated the new color more than anything else I had encountered. It wanted me to turn and go right then, but I couldn't stop looking. A wisp of new color touched my outside, and in that instant it had given me a new word, peace, an inner experience of contentment and happiness. The yellow in me faded almost completely, 
But as soon as it touched the red, it reacted so violently that it threw me back, away from the room. There wasn't enough of this new color in me to resist, and the red didn't give up. I turned and followed the red away from the non-friend, and found the room with the strange shiny square in. There looked like another room through it, and I wondered if the non-friend on the other side was making the same colors as the one I had seen. I hooked part of my outside on a black ledge just below the square and tried to roll upwards against the wall. It was difficult, but I soon got enough of organism onto the ledge to hoist up properly. As soon as I looked at the square, all the yellow left in me exploded in all directions, making shooting sensations inside of me. I had seen another organism, one just like me, staring right at me. It had clear edges and was filled mostly with red, but there was a little spark of the new color, and its yellow had grown just like mine had. I took a cautious second look at the other organism and saw it was doing the same. This was the first other organism I had ever seen, and I wanted to share all of my colors and experience with it. I pushed part of my outside against the square which felt just like an empty wall. I thought there must have been a barrier stopping us from touching. I saw that the other organism was doing the same, so I renewed my efforts and pressed harder to reach the other side. I should have begun to pass through by now. But instead, all I got was the surface memories of the shiny square. There were a lot of blue feelings held in it, but none strong enough to pass into me. After some moments, both of us organisms must have begun to press too hard because a strange noise had started coming from the square. Then, without warning, a line shot through the other organism, and then another and another. A tiny triangle of it fell off and left only a color of the wooden frame behind it. I looked closely at the triangle that had fallen off and saw that there was part of the other organism inside it. Part of it had split away. I tried to put it back, but in doing so, more shards of my new friend fell away and tinkled to the floor. I picked up several by making my outside sticky and started trying to realign them and fix my friend. But the shards were cutting into my outside, which made the red in me very hot and pushy. The red had had enough and pushed at my outside, which collided with what remained of the shiny square. All the parts still left shattered and fell with an almighty crash. I heard the footsteps of the non-friend coming from the other room, and the yellow swiftly took action and pushed my outside through the nearby empty wall into the cold darkness outside. I looked for a moment through the empty wall at the non-friend and saw the last flame of the new color in him flicker and go out. Organism is a five-part miniseries written by Louis Blemings Derrick. It stars Tanya Malayevic. This show was produced by Tom Rory Parsons, who was also the composer, sound designer, and editor. And that's this week's show. Yes, if you're a new listener to the Sonic Society, or if you're an old member, please consider writing us a review on iTunes. We do love to read them, and the more reviews we get, the better opportunities we have to showcase the works of everyone in this medium to the wider audience. You can find more shows on this feed or through the website at sonicsociety.org. Or you can join the conversation on Facebook or on Twitter, at Sonic Society, or I'm at AstroTour2010. We do like email, and you can always email us at sonicsociety at gmail.com. Next week we take a long voyage that will take up a good couple of weeks to another world. Ooh, yes, please join us as we showcase a modern fantasy classic. Until then, I'm David Alt. And I'm Jack Ward. Thank you for listening, and good night. Good night.
Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. If you produce audio dramas, it obviously isn't to become rich and famous. You love the medium, and you want to share your passion for theater of the mind. The Mutual Audio Drama Network is looking for you. Mutual presents audio dramas every day of the week, each with its own genre. Mystery, sci-fi, comedy, horror, all reaches of the imagination. It doesn't matter if you produced your shows years ago or are still cranking them out. Share them on the world's largest collection of modern audio drama and audio fiction. Give a listen at MutualAudioNetwork.com. And if you'd like to be a part of the excitement, with free access to all sorts of voices, sound effects, music, and more, just drop a line to mutualaudio at gmail.com. The Mutual Audio Drama Network. Why not join us today?